text for today, which is Luke 17.1. I want to remind the men, this is your last chance to sign up for men's breakfast. We're like the Marines. We need a few good men. And so sign up today at the tape table for $8. You get all you can eat. And we've already had somebody say, if you don't have the money, they're going to cover it. And so you now have no excuse. So we want to see you, men. The, the, the men's breakfast, uh, and that is the, the date again, Ron, it's not on here, 16th. And Kathy, you make your way up here, if you would. Uh, we need that date confirmed. That's, it's the 16th. And Kathy knows more than me, and she's not a man. All right. Okay. Well, it shouldn't be. Get them anyway. And then finding the rock. Kathy talked about it just real quickly. July the 10th. Oh, it's off. No, it's on. Uh, finding the rock is going to start July 10th, which is um, not this Wednesday night, but I mean, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. With George Dossett, it'll be starting at 9.30 a.m. downstairs, and then you just come upstairs. Like Jeff said last week, a lot of you are used to Sunday school anyway, so just come and, and uh, be blessed by that. It's just a foundational course. Uh, you don't have to be a new believer. It's just very good. And if you've been through it before, you might want to go through it again. Something will stand out this time that didn't stand out last time. And it's a great, great course. It is a great course. And then where are we going to be next Sunday? Next Sunday, we're going to be in Denver, Colorado. So y'all are going to be uh, for the Christian Booksellers Association convention with uh, Jeff's new book. He has an author's dinner on Sunday night with some of the other authors or many of the other authors. And then he has a meeting with his publisher Tuesday. And in between, we'll be actually at the Denver Convention Center attending the, the booksellers convention. So we're excited about that. But y'all are going to be blessed next Sunday. Tell them who's coming. Y'all remember uh, Charles Martin? Yeah. One, of the, one of the best, the best uh, high school graduation I ever attended was at Trinity Church in Duncanville, uh, DeSoto, wherever that is out in South Dallas. And uh, he was the guest speaker. And I didn't know who he was when he stood up, and I didn't know what I was in for. But it was absolutely the most... Uh, inspired and divine for sure high school graduation message I'd ever heard but that she came home and said you've got to bring this man that man can so preach so y'all don't want to miss next Sunday you will be blessed and and his heart is wonderful and his wife and daughters were just very very um, blessed to know them his wife who he calls the sugar in his Kool-Aid yeah you haven't called me the sugar in your Kool-Aid yet and you can't call me the sugar in your coffee because you don't put sugar in your <laughs> no, coffee no. so but anyway, y'all don't want to miss that next Sunday. I mean, it will be, I really, we'll get the tape when we get back, I'm sure. Yeah. Amen. All right. Thank you, Kathy. And by the way, Kathy's, you know, she had a problem last week. Uh, we had to take her to the hospital. Her blood pressure is down now without medicine. I think it was just God's way of telling us to get her here, don't you think? I think. All right. So thank you, Kathy, and let's look at Luke 17, chapter 1. We're continuing our series today on a word spoken in due season, and today I'm preaching a forgiving word to the offended Christian, a forgiving word to the offended Christian. Luke 17, verse 1, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible, but woe to him through whom they do come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word on forgiveness and offenses. 
Bless it and anoint it to our hearts today and let forgiveness sweep this house in every marriage, in every relationship, in every working relationship, every family relationship. And Lord, even forgiveness between us and you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. I'm so glad that God loves me. How many of you are glad that God loves you? How many of you are glad he loves you unconditionally? He loves you unconditionally. God loves you. It reminds me of the very rich man who decided that he had fallen in love with a woman much younger than him. And finally he was able to persuade her to marry him. And so they got married and they went along for a while. And he began to become insecure about whether or not she had married him for his money. So he took her aside one day and said, Honey, I've just got to know. If I lost all my money today, if it was all gone and we were penniless and living in some little shack somewhere, would you still love me? And she said, Oh, sweetheart, of course. I would love you with all of my heart and I would miss you terribly. (laughs) And you know, isn't it so often that way in the world? But aren't you glad that God loves us unconditionally? Now, Speaking of love, we're going to talk about Christian love as the rubber meets the road, real Christian love today, when we talk about forgiving the offended or the offending Christian. An offense, let's just talk about it for a moment, when Jesus said, it is impossible, there is no way you can live life in this world, it is impossible to live life in this world without experiencing offenses. You're going to have offenses. Some of you are going to be offended before you even get home today. Somebody's going to pull in front of you. Somebody's going to say something you don't like or do something you don't care for. It's going to hurt you or offend you. And you're going to deal with the reality of an offense. And I want to tell you, after having pastored for a very long time now, many, many years, I can tell you that one of the greatest problems in the church today is not handling offenses the way Jesus Christ taught. There is nothing the enemy uses more in the church of Jesus Christ than offenses. So what is an offense? An offense comes from a Greek word we call scandalon, or called scandalon. And scandalon is is the word from which we derive scandal. When we say something was scandalous, it means that something caused a stumbling. Something caused a stumbling in the hearts of people. Scandalon. I like to say that when you have been offended, there is a scandal on in your heart. There's a scandal going on in your heart. And Jesus had a whole lot to say about offenses. I wrote a book on offenses. It's right out there on the table. I I saw the enemy using it so much, wrote a book on it. The book I just finished, there's another chapter that I called Bitten by Bitterness. Because we've all got to learn to handle offenses or offenses are going to handle us. Now let's talk about that word scandal on just for a minute. It can refer to the act of tempting someone to sin. Usually, when we talk about scandal on or a scandal or an offense, we talk about somebody who became bitter, but that's only one of its meanings. If you tempt somebody to sin, causing them to stumble, that is also an offense. You have brought an offense. Or if somebody tempts you, they cause you to stumble or to be offended. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 7, whoever causes... One of these little ones who believe in me to sin, some translations say to stumble or to be offended, 
It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. That's how seriously Jesus saw offense. It can also refer to, the, to hurting someone to the level that it causes them to be bitter. In Matthew 6, Jesus talked about that. He said, if you go to the altar to offer a sacrifice, and I interpret that to mean a sacrifice of worship or a sacrifice of praise to give your life to God, and there you remember that your brother is offended with you, leave your gift at the altar and go and make it right with your brother, then come and offer your gift. So if you have caused someone to be hurt, and that's how offenses that lead to bitterness begin. Every offense that leads to bitterness begins with a hurt. Somebody says something that hurts you. Somebody does something that hurts you. Real or imagined, it's real to you. The offense is real. And Jesus said it's so imperative that offenses be handled in the kingdom of God, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that if you come to worship me, I don't even want to hear it. I want you to leave it there and go and make the offense right with your brother and then come and offer your sacrifice of worship. Jesus said, if your brother offends you, go to him between you and him alone and make it right with your brother. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. And so Jesus covered it from both angles. If you're the offended, go to him. If you're the offender, go to him or her. But don't leave an offense festering in the church of Jesus Christ because an offense unhandled will handle you. I was at a conference not too long ago, and me and a friend of mine were walking out of the church where this conference was, and a, a um, pastor and his wife were walking right in front of us. And as they were walking, I knew who they were. I'd already said hello to them, and they were, oh, about 10 yards in front of us. And, of course, it was a nice conference. Everybody was dressed in their Sunday best, and she had a nice dress and heels and her hair done all up and so on and so forth. And as they were walking, all of a sudden, this woman lost her balance and tripped and went flailing and falling to the ground hard. She fell hard. She hit hard, skinned both of her knees. There wasn't anything pretty about it, nothing graceful about it. Just down she went. Not only was she hurt on the outside, but she was embarrassed on the inside. And, and we helped her up, and her, her knees were bleeding, and she was, she was uh, hurting in several parts of her body. They walked off to their car, and as they were walking away, it seemed like the Lord just said to me, you just saw a physical example of what an offense looks like spiritually. Because an offense broadsides you. You don't see the hurt coming. You don't know that you're about to trip over something on the inside. And you become hurt. And you become offended. And when that happens, your Christianity wants to go out the window. You experience anger. You experience rage. You experience hurt. You want to see vengeance uh, come upon the person or people who hurt you. And, and for a moment there, you trip and you fall. And there's nothing pretty about it, nothing graceful about it. On the inside, you stumble. Just like she tripped and stumbled over an unexpected obstacle, the offended person trips and falls over a temptation or a hurt. We fall, we trip, we stumble. On the inside, we want to forgive, but we just can't. On the inside, we want to act like Jesus, but we just can't. On the inside, we want to be gracious about it, but there isn't anything gracious about the way that we feel. We've been hurt. Now, offenses either offer a prime opportunity to practice forgiveness and restoration, or offenses can bring about the ruin 
Now hear this now, the ruin of the offended person by sabotaging his or her walk with God and relationship with God because Jesus said if you don't forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Strong words. I have so often wished he hadn't said that. But he did. Now I want to focus today primarily on offenses brought on by a hurt that lead to bitterness. When you live in, in community, as we are in a local church fellowship, or you're in a workplace where you're in a community of, of people who are all working together, offenses are inevitable. They're going to happen. What do you do when someone has said or done something that wounds you? As much as you want to shake it, you can't. When you hear his or her name, you're flooded with negative emotions. Matter of fact, one of the ways you can know whether or not you are offended and haven't handled it is just think of the person's name and gauge the emotions that arise in you when you think of their name. The event that hurts you might as well be on a tape in a VCR machine and somebody keeps hitting that rewind button. And the event that hurts you replays over and over and over again in your mind and you can't shake it. That's the signal of a wounded spirit, a wounded heart, a hurt heart. That is the signal that there is an offense that needs to be handled. It can be a spouse, family member, friend, pastor, co-worker, parent, or child. Whomever it was, it has sabotaged, it has profoundly affected your relationship with them. And you know it. You can't talk to them anymore, look at them anymore, fellowship with them anymore, feel good about them anymore. And if forgiveness does not enter in and heal your soul, bitterness is going to enter in and destroy your soul. Before looking at forgiveness, let me share a few of the gifts that bitterness will bring to you if you do not practice forgiveness. First of all, everybody say amen or oh me. First of all, and ladies, I, I can guarantee you I'm going to get a response from the ladies on this one because this really matters. Bitterness will affect your countenance and bearing in a way that Maybelline or Calvin Klein cannot fix. When Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, returned to her hometown of Bethlehem after losing her husband and her two sons to sickness and disease, all three of the men in her life had died when she returned to her hometown of Bethlehem following 10 years in Moab, the women of the town exclaimed, here's what they said, can this be Naomi? Now Naomi, the name, means pleasant, delightful, lovely. Notice the way Naomi responded. She said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, meaning bitter. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Now notice how she's blaming God for what had come upon her in her life. But Naomi was in the middle of the book. The final chapter was yet to be written because we see how the providence of God worked in her life to bring about glory to God. But that's another message and another day. The book goes on, of course, after showing God's providence at work, that God is a good God all the time. Matter of fact, can you say with me, God is good all the time. But here's what I want to point out about this story. When they said, can this be Naomi? Apparently, apparently bitterness had affected the way she looked. A furrowed brow, deep lines in the face, 
and hard, angry eyes are a few of the gifts delivered by bitterness. Bitterness will add ten years to your looks if you don't deal with it. The second thing bitterness will bring to you, bitterness robs you of your walk with God. You cannot walk with God and be bitter. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 15, if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. The third thing, bitterness opens the door for satanic attack. If you want to open a door and say to the devil, come into my life and wreak havoc on my life, walk in bitterness. Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth. He said, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive... I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan, Satan, might not outwit us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, when we fail to forgive, we are being outwitted by the devil. And I don't know about you, but I hate the devil. He is my sworn enemy. And the last thing I want to do is give him leverage in my life. And bitterness gives him all the leverage he needs. Bitterness contaminates those closest to you with spiritual defilement. If you can't forgive for your sake, forgive for the sake of those who live around you. Because here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Notice, you can miss the grace of God. You can miss the grace of God. No, he says, be careful that nobody misses the grace of God. And what is the grace of God? It is, it is the enabling of God, the empowering of God to bring you to the place to be able to do His will. Grace enables you, empowers you to do the will of God. And so when you're offended, the first thing that's there is the grace of God to enable you to respond Christ-like. And he says, don't miss the grace of God because if you miss the grace of God... A bitter root grows up. That's why it's best to handle an offense immediately. Don't ever give an offense any more, any longer than a 24-hour shelf life. We've got more wisdom with a loaf of bread than we do offenses. You don't leave bread out too long, and you know it's going to get moldy and stale, but with an offense, you better know that a snake is trying to get into your life, a viper is trying to afflict you and bite you and poison you, and so deal with it quickly so the enemy doesn't get an opportunity. Bitterness is detrimental to our health. Modern medical science is unanimous. You read articles about it all the time now. In its verdict on the unhealthy effect bitterness has on the physical body, including clotting of the arteries, digestive problems, mental health issues, and detriment to our overall well-being. Now, listening to those things, I know this. I do not want bitterness in my life. I'm going to fight bitterness. Is it always easy to forgive? No. Sometimes you want to be God. But you know what? If we were God, there wouldn't be any humans left on the planet. And a lot of the people you know right now would be vapor. If you were God. You know, that would be a good message someday. Just call it, if you were God. If forgiveness does not play a part in how you handle an offense, the offense is going to handle you. Now, when I say the word forgiveness, you may have an immediate negative reaction. So many, many people do. I've learned this. Many people respond negatively. This, as soon as you say the word forgiveness, and I think that's because there's a lot of common misunderstandings about forgiveness. So let me remove today just a few forgiveness myths. Are you ready? Here's why I think some of us don't like the idea of forgiving. First one, forgiving someone 
does not obligate you to re-enter a relationship the way it was. Forgiveness does, does not obligate you to re-enter a relationship the way it was. I think sometimes people are afraid, especially if they've been in abusive situations, if I forgive this person, then I'm going to have to re-enter. It's like me saying to that person, all right, I've forgiven you, so now here I come again. But no, no, you can forgive somebody and not be obligated to re-enter an abusive relationship. Now I want you to listen very carefully to me. Forgiveness takes one. Forgiveness takes one. Forgiveness does not require both parties' cooperation. You can forgive somebody who is continuously offending you. You can forgive somebody who is a jerk. You can forgive somebody who constantly offends you, harasses you, heckles you, gives you a problem. It does not require the cooperation of another party to forgive. As a matter of fact, if you forgive them, you weaken them. Now, listen carefully. Forgiveness takes one. Can you say that with me? Forgiveness takes one. But it's reconciliation that takes two. It's reconciliation that takes two. In our world, listen, there's a lot of situations where you're going to have to forgive somebody and there's not going to be any reconciliation. Maybe there even should not be. In an abusive situation, if they have not changed and are not going to change and continue to be abusive, you need to forgive forgive and then walk away but if you're going to reconcile it takes two without remorse without remorse repentance and restitution you are not obligated to reconcile now I'm going to say that again without remorse repentance and restitution you are not obligated hear me to reconcile well I gotta be a Christian Christians forgive. Wise people draw the lines with reconciliation. If that person who's saying to you, oh, well, well, you know, I'm forgiven, so hallelujah, let's go back into the relationship the way that it was. No, 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 no. That's talking about reconciliation. So you say, and you've got all the right in the world to say, if that relationship was abusive or wrong in any way, you know what? Until you change, I will not be reconciling. I will not be reconciling. I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to be reconciling. Remorse must be seen in the person who is asking for you to go back into that relationship. Remorse, repentance, and restitution. Well, what do you mean repentance, Pastor Jeff? The Bible talks about the fruits of repentance. Now, what are the fruits of repentance? Behavior changes over a period of time. And if that person's saying, well, I want you back in the relationship, I want to you know, walk with you and talk with you again and be around you again, you say, you know what, that's fine, and I do forgive you, but that doesn't mean I'm entering this relationship again. I need to see the fruits of repentance. So if you've been abusive with your tongue, abusive in your behavior, abusive in this relationship, I need to see the fruits of repentance, or I will not thank you, be reconciling. And you know what? You're not being non-Christian doing that. You're being wise. Because as long as you put up with abusive, wrong behavior on their part, 
not only are you allowing yourself to be damaged, but you are enabling them to continue in self-destructive behavior. And if you do that, you're not loving them, you are harming them. So lady, if you're in an abusive relationship, you can forgive, but draw the line and say, until I see fruits of repentance, I'm not back in this deal, uh-uh-uh. But you said you forgave me. I do forgive you in the name of Jesus. God bless you, I'm out of here until you change. And if you change, we'll reconcile. Sir, if you've got a lady in your life being abusive, mishandling a relationship, bringing harm to you, you forgive her, but you draw the line. You're not ever going to get anywhere. You're going to be stuck in a cul-de-sac that goes around and around and around and never changes. You've got to have change. Don't allow self-destructive, damaging behavior to continue in that relationship. Draw the line. Have enough respect for yourself and have enough respect for the God in you that you say, I forgive you, and that forgiveness releases me from you. Not only does it bring peace with God, but it releases me so that I'm free to follow God and to leave you to Him. Mildred, you didn't tell me he was going to be on this today. We need to be on this, folks. When Jesus said, turn the other cheek, he wasn't saying, let somebody abuse you endlessly. There's a principle behind the turn the other cheek, and it's not that. You don't turn the other cheek if you're with somebody who is more than happy to hit it again. Oh, God bless you in Jesus' name. Walk! Oh, do it again. What? You know what that is? S-I-C-K. Sick. Mm. You take a stand and you say, you know what? I'll reconcile when I see fruits of repentance. I want to see remorse. And I want to see, I want to see fruits of repentance. I want to see your behavior change over a period of time. Not a New Year's resolution. Behavioral change over time. And then we can talk. Maybe. Maybe it's best that we leave it right here. Now, I'm not talking about a marriage. I think in a marriage y'all try everything in the world. Everything in the world. But there's times even in marriages. I'm telling you, and a lot of times in marriages. You need to say, I forgive, but there needs to be a change here. There needs to be a change. And if there's not a change, if there's not a change, I'm going to be with Jesus for a while. Whoa, Pastor Jeff, preach it, brother. I know, I know. See, forgiveness does not remove the need for change in offending behavior. In other words, to say, I forgive you, does not mean I agree with or will tolerate your behavior. Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So she experienced forgiveness, but also parameters when Jesus forgave her. We're not talking about sloppy agape here. You can't have a marriage on sloppy agape, and you can't walk with God on sloppy agape. We talk a whole lot about God's forgiveness, and it's as real as rain. But we need to hear these words. God will forgive you, but that doesn't always prevent consequences. He'll forgive you, but He also wants you to change. 
Don't go to him, well, I'll just go to God anytime I mess up, just say, God, forgive me, and I just know he'll forgive me. That's sloppy agape. You say, Lord, forgive me, and I'm going to do my best to respond to the grace of God and change this behavior. I know this isn't a jump up and shout message, but I'll tell you what, this is the way life really is. Because if we don't live this way, we will lose our relationships, we will lose our fellowship, and finally, even in Fort Worth, you're going to run out of churches. It may take you a few years, but you'll run out sooner or later. Now, the second thing I want to say about forgiveness, y'all being blessed today. Forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. If you're sitting around waiting for the feeling to forgive, you're not going to get it. Hey, newsflash, you're offended, you're hurt, you're waiting for a feeling to come that is totally contrary and opposite of your pain. It's not going to come. Forgiveness is a decision, it's not a feeling. Let me tell you something. You can forgive without feeling like it. Matter of fact, most of the time you're going to ha uh, have to forgive or need to forgive, it's not going to be with a feeling. You're not going to have the feeling. Well, when the anointing hits me, I'll forgive. The anointing's not going to hit you. You're offended. The word can hit you, but the anointing's not going to hit you. You're offended. So James said, you're going to have to say it. The key is to say it whether or not you feel it. James 3, listen to James 3, it is so powerful. For we all stumble in many things, all of us, all of us. You can't polish your halo too bright because you're going to stumble, all of us do. He says, but if anybody does not stumble in word, in word, he's perfect. Able also to bridle the whole body. Now let me tell you something, the key to self-control is not dieting and exercising and getting good sleep and not smoking and running and chewing and running with the boys who do. It's not that. It's not that. The key to self-control is between your teeth. The key to self-control is between your teeth. It's in what you say. Listen to what James said. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body by that little bit in their mouth. That powerful creature, we turn him with that little device in their mouth, he says, look also at ships in the sea, though they are so large and driven by fierce winds. Here, here's a, a ship in their day, a great big sailing vessel with sails way up in the air. And he says, they're out there in a fierce wind, a Eurachlodon, a tempest, can blow against those sails. But the wind and the waves do not decide which way it turns. Well, sure they do. That wind blows hard to the south, it's going to pull that thing south. No, because inside there is a captain. He's turning a wheel, and beneath the water, something you can't even see, a rudder is turning the direction that ship goes, not the storms of life. He says it's not the wind and waves of offenses that decide the direction of the ship. It's not, I'm this way because of what they did to me. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm angry because of what they did to me. No, you're not. No, you are not. And why would you want to empower somebody who hurts you with that kind of power? 
Why would you want to give them that? Well, I can't stand them. Well, they're controlling you right now. No, they're not. Yes, they are. They're affecting everything about your life. Well, I wouldn't be angry. I wouldn't be bitter. I wouldn't be a loser if they this and if they that. Uh Uh-uh. No, sir. No, ma'am. You're copping out and you're cheating yourself. Well, then why am I this way? Because you're letting yourself be. Can I say it? Well, how is this happening to me? It's in between your teeth. All I got to do is sit down with you for 10 minutes and I'll hear it. Bitter people are like a record. Skip, 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 skip. Have you ever been somewhere and you couldn't get to that thing for minutes? Somewhere they had a song and and, and you say, that thing's skipping. That's driving me crazy. That's the way bitter people are. They this, they that, they this, they that. Back then, I went through. We don't want to hear it again. You're frozen in time. Remember Lot's wife? She turned around and looked back. And because she looked back, she was frozen in time forever. Frozen in time forever. And Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. What are we supposed to remember? If you're backward, that's why my next book is called The Windshield is Bigger Than the Rearview Mirror. Because if you're stuck back there listen you're frozen in the past you can't move forward bitterness has you in its clutches and you are not the way you are because of what they did I'm not saying they didn't hurt you I'm not saying they didn't damage you but I am saying according to Jesus Christ you don't have to live there you don't have to pitch a tent there some of you have built a house on memory lane and it's a cul-de-sac. And you wonder why nobody wants to go out with you anymore. They don't want to hear it again. And I'm telling you, you're talking to somebody, I'm talking to you, and you're looking at somebody who has had immense trouble in the last couple of years forgiving. And I've had to learn these things, and I'm still having to learn them. And I've learned, if you say it, say, but I don't feel it, say it. Just ask God to help you to say it. Well, in the place of prayer, say it. Well, they're not anywhere for me to talk to them. They don't need to be anywhere near for you to talk to them and handle their issue. Just say it to him. I forgive them. If you're sure you're not going to blast them with lightning or wipe them out with a tornado, I forgive them. You sure you don't want to do that, God? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. Because you're not going to feel it. Now, I'll tell you what this. Once you say it a while, feelings will follow. Pretend we have a train. Here's the engine. The engine is what you say. All right? The second car... It's a time lapse. You might as well put on it patience. The third car is feeling. Say it long enough, because that's the rudder, and that's what James is saying. If you can control that, that rudder, no matter what storms are beating against your life, 
the ship will turn in the direction of the rudder. Man, I'm going to get this tape. I'm going to get this tape. Because this is a key, a key to life and victory. Amen. All right. One of the most common things I hear in talking with people who are offended is, I don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. I'm angry. I'm hurt. They don't deserve my forgiveness. Let me tell you something. Nobody deserves forgiveness. You know what? Can I give you another little newsflash? You don't forgive God's for, or deserve God's forgiveness. You do not deserve God's forgiveness. We forgive. Why then do we forgive? They don't deserve it. I didn't. Why should I forgive them? They definitely wronged me. Here's why. Because you are a debtor to a forgiving God. The Bible says in Colossians 3.13, Be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Why do I forgive people? I don't have to feel like it. And you know what? They probably don't deserve it if they really did damage me or hurt me. Why then do I do it? Because I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. I'm in debt. I'm in debt. Why am I in debt? Because if God had not forgiven me, I would be in hell. So I'm indebted to Him. I forgive them for Him. I forgive them in His presence. I forgive them because I love Him. I forgive them because He forgave me. And that made me a debtor for the rest of my life. He said, if I forgave you billions of dollars in sin debt and kept you out of hell, you forgive millions of dollars worth, millions of dollars worth of offenses toward you. Because nobody can do to you, Jeff, what you did to me. Now, here's the last reason, the last myth about forgiveness, and I'm going to close. If I forgive them, I'm afraid, or I think, this is a myth. If I forgive them, it lets them off the hook. And I don't want to let them off the hook. Well, here's the question. What hook are they on? If they're on your hook, you need to get them off your hook anyway. Because if they're on your hook, then that means you're now taking the place of God. And so that's why when they walk in, you give them the look. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I know what I know. Or we give them the look of you dirty dog. You call yourself a Christian. Yeah, no, no. And they get the look. And see, we think that when we do that, that they're going to suffer. Let me tell you something about offenders. If you don't forgive them, they go on with life. They're not sitting at home going, oh my gosh, I got the look. I got the look. What are we going to do, honey? We got the look. No, what they're going to do is they're going to take your look and demonize you. Because you see the way they looked at us today. They're always that way. They're just angry at life. And before you know it, they're taking the look and turning it against you and demonizing you with it. So don't worry about the look or, or, or the slight or the words or anything. God says... There's one thing I own that you can't have any part of. And it's called vengeance. You can't have any part of it. But I want to have a part of it. Clint Eastwood did it. Go ahead. Make my day.
We've learned that vengeance, in our culture, we've learned that vengeance is acceptable and even respectable. But of course, Hollywood doesn't tell you the truth about hardly anything at all. And they're lying about vengeance because if you become a vengeance taker, it's going to turn on you. He that rolls a stone, it will return back on them. He that rolls a stone, it will turn back on them. You seen that? You seen that cartoon? That little cartoon of the the uh, uh, the Roadrunner, and he's always dodging. Who is it that he's dodging all the time? Coyote. Coyote. And you remember how Coyote always goes up on top of a cliff with a boulder, and he rolls that thing down when he sees the Roadrunner way down there, and you think the Roadrunner is about to be rolled over. The boulder misses him, rolls up the other side gains momentum, rolls back and then back up where Coyote is, goes in the air and falls on him and crushes him. And we laugh. Isn't that funny? But that's the way vengeance does. He that rolls a stone is going to come back on him. It's going to come back on him. So what do you do? you got to get out of the way. Listen to what it says. I'm going to close. He says, Avenge not yourselves, beloved, but give place to God's wrath. How do I give place to God's wrath? I get out of the way. How do I get out of the way? Forgiveness. But I'm so afraid if I get out of the way, he's not going to do anything. You don't know what he's going to do or when or how. But you've got to get out of the way. And you do it by saying, I forgive them, and I'm just going to go on. So when they see me, I'm going to try my best not to give them the look. And if I can't avoid it, I just won't look at them. I'll just turn away and walk away. Because the look's not going to do anything. All right? So, let's just go over this quickly. Say with me. Forgiveness doesn't... Y'all are doing good. Does not obligate you to re-enter a relationship the way it was. Number two, forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. Third, forgiveness doesn't let an offender off the hook. It turns them over to God. Let's stand together, can we? How many of you needed this today? All right. Let's pray together. Father, we know how people can greatly hurt us, greatly damage us. And Lord, sometimes the hardest thing in all the world is to forgive. But Lord, I'm asking you, to grace us today to be forgivers. Because we are indebted to do it because of the God who forgave us. We thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that is coming into our lives right now to empower us to respond the way we should. We ask you for your help with this in Jesus' name. Now you take just a moment in closing today. Say, Lord, I've been offended, I've been hurt, it's made me stumble. But I've got to let it go. Help me to let it go. And to practice forgiveness the way I just heard it out of the Word of God. 